Hello, it's once again time for Middle Age Gaming. In today's episode, Adam asks the question, where do we draw the line between our problem and your problem? While Crean asks Adam about his experience playing the Outriders demo. And with that, on to the show! Hey everyone, we are back with another gaming episode. Today we are trying to be as unstructured as possible, and I feel like I've said that before. I know this is kind of a stretch, but we are going to make an attempt. Adam and I have decided on some topics for today, three topics for each of us. We don't know if we're going to get through all of it, but we're just going to you know, go with the flow. We might show some pictures or videos, so podcasters, podcast listeners, I'm sorry. If you want to see these pictures and videos, you're going to have to watch the video episode on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch. Otherwise, just enjoy listen to the contact content. As always, please send us a message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube if you're watching us live. Even later, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be keeping an eye out, so don't keep us waiting. So, Adam, why don't you just hit us with your first topic? All right. Well, a while ago, I was reading an article, and they were talking about Cyberpunk 2077. And, I mean, obviously, it's had it's a lot of controversy with you know the whole way it was released and all that. But what this one was specifically talking about was that Cyberpunk as a genre is inherently xenophobic and the idea was that cyberpunk comes from a time you know in the 1980s where japan was becoming very dominant as a world power okay they were you know like they were creating sony was coming out with the walkman you know their their electronics were everywhere toyota cars you know all these hondas you know all, all these japanese created things were really becoming popular. And to an extent, that really actually kind of scared Western people, specifically Americans. And so that's why when you look at movies like the, the example that they said was if you look at the movie Blade Runner, and in the movie Blade Runner, it's supposed to be a dystopian society, right? Society is supposed to collapse. Technology has basically kind of ruined us and humanity's kind of, you know, withering away or whatever. And one of the things that they pointed out was that you have Harrison Ford eating with chopsticks. And they were saying that this was kind of a subtle way of showing the degradation of society was that, you know, Harrison Ford is eating with chopsticks. This is what our society, you know, we've been conquered, we've been taken over. And so that was part of this kind of fear of the other taking over our society and the collapse of our society. And it was inherently racist and xenophobic because it's saying like this is bad we don't want the world to become japan we want our values to be you know what drives the future and so that's why this japanese kind of oriented world was very dystopian another example that they would use was die hard so in die hard the name of the the company that they're in the name of the building is a japanese name and yeah the the, the boss was a friendly guy but the whole point is that this this japanese company had be, kind of become this conglomerate that kind of represented, you know, the, the new world order and, and that sort of thing. So they were saying that in the game Cyberpunk, because it has a lot of these kind of Japanese aesthetics and, you know, like there's a one of the promotional arts or promotional pictures showed the guy eating, you know, with chopsticks, you know, these kind of ramen places are a big deal. Keanu Reeves calls your character samurai on several occasions. And so they were saying that, yeah, in the game Cyberpunk, it seems that now people kind of associate Cyberpunk as a celebration of this sort of thing. Most people like it, right? 
I mean, Japan's completely embraced it. Ghost in the Shell has this sort of thing. Akira, to a certain extent, you know, they've really embraced it. They love it. And now a lot of times when people see cyberpunk, you know, they want that aesthetic. They want that kind of, you know, they want to see the Asian fonts up there, or the Asian characters up on billboards and whatnot. But the person was saying that because this genre originally came out as a form of almost like yellow terror in a way that that was I think that might have even been the word they used, you know, that the genre is is uh, by extension tainted. And so now we shouldn't be, you know, so that the game games like that are inherently problematic and that we shouldn't be using these aesthetics and stuff because, yeah, even though maybe now, you know, and, and I think that's kind of an irony that a Japan embraced it. They love it. You know, people always uh, compare Akibahara to cyberpunk When cyberpunk came out. People were kept showing pictures of Taipei here in Taiwan with filters to kind of like really enhance the lights and whatnot. And they were like, oh, you know, Taiwan cyberpunk, you know, and people really enjoyed that Asian aesthetic. And a lot of people, I think, that were, say, my age, who were growing up in the 80s, you know, we didn't have this inherent idea of, oh, no, this is a scary thing. So to us, it was a cool thing. And so, you know, we enjoyed it. And I think that it's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, so it, it, so basically, my discussion topic is, at what point do you know like how do we decide if something is inherently problematic is it the origins or is it where it goes it's kind of like can you separate the artist from the art kind of thing and can something that was originally problematic end up being okay or should we just completely you know is is this wrong to do these sort of things well i mean what do you think i think it's fine <laughs> personally <laughs> because I, I i think in the sense that I don't think CD Projekt Red was trying to be offensive. I don't think they were trying to make this a problem. And, and some people were in, in defense of the game were saying, if you go to, what is the name of the city? Night City? Yep, yep, Night City. If you go to Night City, the like Japantown was one of the nicer areas in the city. It was usually the Western areas that were more run down. The Asian kind of oriented ones seemed to be a little more clean. They had less crime, that sort of thing. They were the nicer parts of the city. And so they were saying, you know, like, it's actually the Western society that's the problematic parts. You know, it's the people that don't want to let go of these old ideals that was the problematic. The people that embraced the future, they were living peacefully and happily. So, yeah, I thought that that was kind of interesting. And and, and personally, for me, it is it is a very much, you kind of got to separate the art from the artist kind of thing. So I think, and then, like I said, it, it's not designed inherently to be offensive. You know, it's not, and I don't think the designers had that in mind. So I don't personally find it problematic. But at the same time, I mean, let's face it, I'm a white dude. So, <laughs> you know, like, I don't necessarily see these things that other people are seeing sometimes, you know, because they just seem normal to me. It's it's kind of like I was uh, discussing online one time and people were talking about, you know, the death of white culture or whatever. And they talk about how, you know, white people don't have culture. Uh, you know, other people you know, there's Japanese culture, there's Asian culture, there's Indian culture and that. And they're like, oh, Americans don't have culture. And it's like, no, Americans do have culture. The thing is, is when you're Ameri in America, you don't notice it. But when you go to other countries, you can tell Americans have oh, culture. Yeah. And it's just that American culture permeates almost everything. So it's not that Americans don't have culture. It's that American culture is everywhere. So it just seems like the norm, but it's still a thing. I mean, with movies and whatnot. So uh, in that sense, it's it's 
I've all, I'm always kind of iffy on those things because it's kind of like, ah, you know, can I, can I have an opinion on this? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, or I mean, am I part of the problem? I mean, of course you can. Like going back to the American culture thing. I mean, that is something I, I always tell like uh, our students and stuff. I was like, oh, you know, when I left South Africa, I was uh, extremely shy, not talkative at all, and American culture is what changed me. The sort of directness to sitting on the bus in Worcester, Massachusetts, and people just talking to me, even though they don't know me, and telling me stuff, and people sort of cursing and using bad language all the time, everywhere. I mean, not that that is a category of, uh, or a characterization of American culture, but... We do like our swear words. But it's, it's just like the directness, the openness of American culture, the, the confidence the sort of individuality which you know can be bad can be good but that like changed uh, me in, in, a, in a big way and and I, I think a lot of people who have lived in America I mean at least for a year come back dramatically changed in American culture is instilled in them forever oh definitely but back to the cyberpunk thing so do you think it's so in the sense that, so, I mean, reading these things, I had never really thought of cyberpunk as being inherently xenophobic, but, you know, going back, you can kind of see it like, oh, yeah, I guess in the 1980s, that was kind of a, a scary thing for them, right? Being conquered by Japan and this rise of Japanese power and, you know, the electronics and all that. I don't remember anything like that. I mean, you might have had a... I don't either, but that's the thing is, like I said, I grew up in the 80s. I wasn't, you know, 30. 40 years old back in the 1980s, right? So that's what I'm saying is, you know, for a child, you just see cool neon lights, right? That's what, yeah. that's what, that's our take of it. It was this idea of cool neon lights. And we've co-opted it as this cool thing. We really like it. It's awesome. You know, everybody, you know, really likes that kind of idea. You know, things like Ghost in the Shell, obviously like in Japan, they really like it because of course they're the winners in the culture war. <laughs> so, but the idea was that because this genre stems from a place of xenophobia or racism, does that make it inherently problematic to the point where we should not use it? And if you want to do cyberpunk, you should be doing something, say, more in line with The Matrix, which doesn't have these Asian aesthetics, because that's kind of a callback to these, I don't know what you would call them, tropes or xenophobic concepts or whatnot and that inherently is problematic because you know uh what's the word microtransgression a microaggression microaggression because it's a microaggression that maybe you don't intend for it to be bad but for other people it could be in, it could be offensive and therefore it should be avoided uh, i mean the, the idea of cyberpunk being bad i mean i've read the article i mean yeah i mean we're, we're both i mean not much of a difference in age but <laughs> I, I mean to me it's just there's no connection to me even even growing up i mean talking to parents and stuff i mean i i mean even as a kid i could figure out what my parents fears were and what they were worried about and japanese takeover of the world was definitely not one of them in africa so so no i i, I don't think this this warrants i mean I, and i've read that article that you you mentioned and i mean people talked about cyberpunk as well and and we've talked about not just the game, but the the philosophy, and I heard about it in another podcast. I, I, I mean, I I think people can you know go wild with cyberpunk. I mean, even even the game itself, like it. I mean, Arasaka, the the corporation name in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, is the main part of the story, but it's 
not the only like in this cyberpunk world that CD Projekt Red created. There is a bunch of corporations, and uh, Arasaka is just one of them. And they're from different countries and different names. And uh, I-, I think it's fine. Let me let's see. Okay, so let me reframe this a little bit. So you're saying because for you it was never about that, so it's not problematic, correct? Sure. Okay. So I grew up in Virginia. And the county that I grew up in was relatively rural. Okay, we would have a lot of people who were, you know, as they would, they were self-described rednecks, they would call themselves rednecks. And these, to some people, the Confederate flag was a symbol of, you know, their family, their heritage, where they came from. To them, it wasn't this symbol of racism. It was a symbol of tractor oh, poles and barbecues. No, no, no. So, so tractor poles and barbecues. And for them, and that's... The culture that I grew up in was that it wasn't necessarily a racist symbol. It was a symbol of this kind of, you know, the Southern way of life, you know, the the not big city stuff, the countryside, the, you know, tractor poles and mud bowls and demolition derbies and that sort of thing. So for somebody like me growing up in that, yeah, we knew that it was a symbol that came from the Civil War, but that's not what it meant to us. But clearly people are... That's pro- the, the the flag itself is problematic, right? Yes, I, I I agree. So then, by the argument though that because for us it wasn't problematic growing up because that's not what it was. It had, it had been co opted as something else that we enjoyed, you know, with the events and the barbecues and whatnot. So is cyberpunk all that different in that regard? In that it was originally this kind of xenophobic racist concept. Young people didn't catch the reference. They grew up with it being this cool thing and it didn't have those connotations. So it's no longer problematic because they don't associate it. Isn't that a very similar case though? So why is it okay in one and it's not okay in the other? What differentiates the two? I mean, one was was just a, I mean, I mean, even as a South African, I mean, the, the Confederate flag to me, you know, should just disappear off the face of the earth because it is connected with violence and murder and racism and i mean xenophobia is bad don't get me wrong but people died and lynchings and all that sort of stuff so i mean but what about okay but now with the covid19 we've seen an increase on asian hate crime sure so something like cyberpunk having a culture that shows you know that could reinstate some of these kind of like oh look the asians are taking over this is a problematic thing should it be avoided because it could reinstigate some of these kind of feelings? Of... But, but then again, we're not going to talking. We're not in the same league of bad stuff. Not yet. And it would never get to that way. Not in, in modern times, anyway. Nobody's going to go around rounding up Asians post, you know, mm. World War Two or something like that. It's still no, probably uh, no, no, no. That's as I said. It's two okay. different, two different. No, no. That I mean. I think I grew. I mean, I didn't grow up in Massachusetts, but spending six years in Massachusetts, I never saw the Confederate flag. Thank God. And if I did, Massachusetts I'd... is the North. They would never have. It. <laughs> no, no. I mean, of course, but I mean, there were like, I always remember a very famous story. A story I was in the Boston, the T, as they say it in Boston, and uh, I think that time, I think Bush was still president, and you know, lots of people were coming across the border, and uh, a guy on the T said it very loud. He was like, "Ah, oh, we should put all the Mexicans in containers and drop them in the ocean," and I was like, "What?" Yeah, no, it's crazy. 
yeah. But that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is 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 that that was back then under Bush, right? Yep. You could have people saying that about Asian immigrants because of COVID nineteen. You know, we should just send them all off to an island or ship them out because they're all carrying this yeah, disease. Yeah, and, you know, and they can see it that. as long as it just doesn't happen. And even then, they still shouldn't be saying it. It's still not. I mean, cyberpunk is not going to be the, the the same symbol as. Uh, the no, it's flag definitely is. not going to be the same. You're not going to see people co-opting it, and marching down the street with neon uh, <laughs> leather jackets. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing people marching down the street with neon. That would be kind of cool. That would be, but you know, and little Tesla coils and stuff like that. But that's more oh, steampunk, yeah. I suppose. I saw a guy with this cool Tesla coil hat once. It was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I was just kind of wondering. Uh, yeah, for me, it was one of those things where, like, yeah, because again, I don't see cyberpunk as being problematic. It's you know, I, I don't I don't see it that way. But to this person, it very much was. And so that was kind of uh, for me, the big questions were, is there kind of a statute of limitations on these things where after a certain amount of time, the symbol or the I mean, it's not a symbol in this case. It's more of a idea, concept, concept, concept. Can the, can the concept be re reopted, co-opted? Uh, you know, can it change over time or is it it's inherent? Uh, initial meaning that's problem uh, that that is uh, that should be considered and then also you know at what point can we say you need to get over yourself you know like for this person they obviously found it offensive if you have say 10,000 people that say it's fine and one person says it's offensive you know and then you have two people that or two people or 50 people or 100 people at what point do we have to say okay this is offending too many people and at what point do we have to say this isn't offending enough people you need to get over yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a weird yeah, yeah. dynamic, right? You know, so like once it's a certain number of people, we're going to say like, oh, yeah, this is a problem. But when it's a small number of people, we say, oh, no, it's your problem. Yes. Yes. You know, so at what at what point do we. So obviously, in, in the case that we were going back to with the Confederate flag, a very large portion of the population finds that problematic. In the case of cyberpunk, a very tiny portion of the population <laughs> finds that problematic. So where is that point at which we have to say, okay, maybe this is starting to be an issue? Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, with, as far as it goes to cyberpunk, I think, like, like you said, the Confederate flag is not just an American thing; it's a symbol of racism that connects with people my age in South Africa, uh, connects with people who have experienced racism everywhere. So even though some people don't even know what happened you know in the american civil war and the confederacy and slavery that sort of stuff but they do know the flag and they do know what it represents so for them i think like that is like a universal symbol of i mean you can pick your word whatever you want to say it is hate yes um <laughs> yeah but i think cyberpunk it, itself i mean I, I don't know i only you know you know ug and i know maybe two or three japanese people overall and I mean, for them, I mean, our age Japanese people, I mean, cyberpunk is just a game, uh, and the the idea of, of of cyberpunk has not gotten past. Oh, cyberpunk twenty seven, the game. They've never gotten back to the origins of cyberpunk as far as English go. No, no, no. I, I don't even. Yeah, they probably have no idea of why. Yeah, they just yeah, thought it was like, exactly. oh, cool, Japanese companies, and you know, we, there's geishas on the sides of this billboard, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. P people think it's it's really cool, and and. Uh, yeah. All right. So yeah, that was my only deep topic. I figured I'll only have one heavy one. And what? Everything else is lighter. <laughs> uh, okay. I didn't want to oversaturate with problematic conversation. All right. 
Then, oh, I have two and... other topics. They're just not controversial. <laughs> Did you figure out what my first? Actually, I just changed my first topic before we started. I have no idea. I was looking at them and I was like, because cause I just wrote titles, you know, like for the first one, I wrote the horror, the horror. You know? <laughs> yes, the um, horror. I, I didn't figure out it was that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, the horror, the horror, you know, so because, uh, you know, oh, my God, it's cyberpunk. It's 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 problematic. And oh, it's terrible. Um, So I wrote that. But uh, but no, yours, yours says writing past sunset and then it's oh, and then a long blank. And I have. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, but my original topic was gonna be talk about uh, uh, blah, talk about talking about Valheim. Oh, Valheim and the ah. popularity—you know, three million players. In I was uh, thinking about picking that up because I am enjoying Valhalla and I am enjoying Windbound, and it does seem kind of a combination of the it two. Does seem my 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 older brother was thinking about it. That's why I was like, oh, you know, maybe. But for me, I was like, this seems like a lot of game where where my big problem is the the short gaming sessions. I need that uh, feeling of accomplishment, which is why I'm enjoying Littlewood actually after not initially liking it, but I'm liking it. Like every night I go to bed, I see these progress bars going ding, 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 ding. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I get the feeling like, oh, I'm doing something. I'm accomplishing stuff in my life, uh, fake life, but accomplishments nonetheless. So that's why I'm digging it. So, but for you, I mean, you, you've definitely been, Jesus Christ, man, you've been streaming some lovely times. Wait, what do you mean, lovely times? I mean, like, like length of times I've seen, like two hours. Oh, two, yeah. yeah. No, I, when I first started, my my first one, I think I was aiming for like an hour, and I ended up doing two hours back when I was streaming Final Fantasy fourteen, and then after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to stream for an hour, and then now I'm I'm like, okay, when I stream, I'm going to try to aim for two hours. That's kind of like what I'm what I'm aiming for is two hours at a time because I've heard that a lot of people tend to go longer. And yeah, it just has, I think, a good sense of uh, progression and whatnot. So try to hit my two hour mark. So what's your new title? So I can try to guess. So my new game is um, you're watching on Twitch, right? Uh, I just signed into Twitch just now. <laughs> All right. Uh, then you can have a watch and I'm sure you'll figure out what it is. All right. So you're doing a game, not a topic. All right. Let's see. Outriders. Ah, yeah. yes, I've played the demo. Oh, you did? Yes, yes. You're the perfect person to talk about this. I did. I got seven. I got to level seven, and I got to world level five. For our viewers who are interested in this, and I mean, you've played it, I think this will be a, a great point for you to give us your feedback on what you think the game is like, how do you feel about it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were asking me? I thought you were really going to lead into something. No, 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 um, no, no. I was like, I've, I've never touched it. My, 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 my topic is about something else, but I'll let you... Full in people. Yeah, okay. So I originally, I, I had heard of this game, but I, I, didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. And then one of my friends was saying, hey, you know, we're on, we've been playing Divinity Original Sin, and we're looking for another game to play. I think they want to go into WoW. Uh, we were also considering Star Wars Squadrons. But one of my friends said, oh, we should try Outriders. I've heard it's kind of like a Destiny looter shooter kind of thing. So I that's what kind of put it on my radar. I had heard of it before that, but I hadn't really paid attention. So that's what put it on my radar. And then I saw that. So when I looked at it, I saw that it was kind of like a looter shooter thing. I was like, oh, okay. It looks kind of like Mass Effect multiplayer, but in kind of, a, I guess, a Destiny type open world kind of thing. And they were going to do a open demo. So I decided, and this is actually going to kind of go into my next thing. But uh, so I decided, all right, I'm going to play it. And 
I played it and the first the opening part is really, really slow. There's a lot of story. You're walking around, you're talking to people. You don't really get into the action for a while. And when you do first get into action, it's basically just you're in an arena, there's a big monster and you shoot it and you don't have any of your skills yet. And then you leave that situation and then you end up encountering your first human enemies. And then right, right immediately, it says, this is how you get into cover. This is how you move from cover to cover. So right off the bat, it seems like it's going to be kind of a, a cover shooter in the sense of Gears of War or uh, what's the other game? The, the Division? Yes. So right away, it presents itself as that. And it is not that at all. And I think and, and that's why for me, when I first played it, I was like, I'm not really enjoying this game. It's I'm not. No. And it felt really frustrating because the way the classes are designed is that each class has a set of abilities. OK, and this is what separates it from Destiny. If you've played Destiny, it's a first person shooter. This is a third person shooter. And this one looks like it's supposed to be a cover shooter, but it's really not. The biggest difference between this and Destiny is that Destiny is an FPS at heart. And they added in some abilities for flavor. Okay, so you have some of your supers, you have your grenades, but it doesn't drastically change the way each class plays. They're pretty similar. In Outriders, the classes are very, very different and your abilities charge relatively quickly. So your abilities are really where you're getting your gameplay from. And the gunplay is kind of a secondary idea. So it's kind of the opposite coin of what Destiny is. And the other difference is Destiny, you typically have these large open maps and, you know, you can kind of run around, you can do your patrols or whatever. And this, it's very much a corridor. And then you go into different missions and each mission is its own little corridor. It's not on an open map. So you have a map and it might have like, you know, it's it's kind of like a trench or something, you know, so you have multiple paths, but it's not a big open space. And so you would go to your next mission, which would be like a door or something like that. You go through the door and then you're now you're in a new space. So each of the missions are kind of like their own little dungeon in a way. And the four that are the, the I guess there's six or so. But the ones that they present in the game are relatively short. Usually you go into a room, there's a group of enemies, you kill those enemies, you run to the next space, kill the enemies there, maybe run to the next space, kill the enemies there. And there's some kind of big fight or boss fight at the end. And that's all it is. They're all relatively short. So they're not very long. Now, they did say that as the game progresses, the worlds are going to open up a little bit more. But a lot of what people are thinking right now is they originally designed it as kind of a division looter shooter kind of, or division cover shooter kind of thing. And then later on decided to go in this different direction. So that's why the early game seems to be very reliant on cover shooting or very, you know, like the levels seem designed for cover shooting. But then later on, they changed the mechanics. So now it's not so much of a cover shooter. So that's why some of the earlier levels seem kind of odd. But anyway, the class that I picked was the Pyro, the Pyromancer. So that's the the fire-based class. And part of what differentiates the classes here is the way that you get health back, the way that you heal. So, you know, normal game, in most FPSs now, you just get out of combat, you know, and your screen stops blinking and you're, you go back to full health or whatever, right? And this one, you ha- your health bar is divided into two parts. The first part is kind of a shield thing, and that part will recharge. 
But then the second part is actual health, and that will not recharge. You have to fill it up in other ways. And so, for example, the Pyro's way of kill, of uh, healing is you have to tag people with your abilities and then kill them. And for each guy you kill with your abilities, it'll give you some health back. And also, I think you have one ability that can heal on its own anyway. But so the Pyro gets health that way. The Technomancer gets health for any damage they do. They naturally kind of have this life leech kind of siphon thing. Uh, the Devastator and the Trickster both heal by people dying within proximity to them. So early on as a pyro, because I can't get into the fights very, you know, I, I'm not designed to be in the fray. I don't have a lot of defensive abilities, so I can't get too close to the enemy. So I'm, you know, I'm hiding behind cover. But the problem is, is if I'm hiding behind cover, you know, you only take pot shots at them, which means you're killing them too slowly, which means you're healing too slowly because they'll do a lot of damage. So your life is really like up and down and up and down and up and down. It's constantly fluctuating. And because you're taking pot shots at these guys, you're not healing fast enough and they'll kind of come around and flank you. So starting off as a pyro, it was really, really hard. And, and I had a lot of I really struggled with it and it was just not fun. It just seemed kind of tedious and grindy. But once I reached up to around level seven or so and I started getting my abilities and I started getting better gear. So the better gear will have modif modifiers on it. Then it got really fun because then it started getting really crazy. Uh, for example, I have this ability where I can make a column of fire that moves in a, in a line. And I found one piece that makes it so that I can have an extra charge before it goes on cooldown. And then I found another piece that does the same thing. So now I can spam this ability five times, sorry, three times in a row before it goes on cooldown, which means that I have a lot more abilities, which means I can heal a lot more. But uh, yeah, it seems it, it, I enjoyed the demo. But I would say that if I have friends playing it, I would definitely get it. But if I, I would not buy it for solo play. So it's definitely a game designed for working with friends. Okay. And especially because a lot of the classes feed off of each other. Like I said, the pyro, I use an ability, it marks a guy, he dies, I get healed. But I don't have to kill him. A friend could kill that guy. So as a pyro, I would want to be marking people all the time. And that's going to heal me. As a devastator, you're the tank class. You're really defensive but you only get healed by people dying around you. So you want to be in the middle of everything, which in solo play, I mean, you're designed to be defensive, but you could in theory still get kind of overpowered or, you know, but if you have friends on the outside shooting in at guys around you and, you know, this guy who comes up behind you gets shot and he dies, that's still healing you. So they're definitely designed to be working with other people. Okay. You actually just hit the, the nail on the head there. Because that's one of the things I was thinking about, you know, like we talked about this because Ben, friend of the show, Adam's friend Ben, talked about, uh, you know, playing this. And he, and he was like, oh, you know, uh, maybe Adam and Ben will play this or maybe even I will get it. And I, I Googled this before the show. And apparently there is somewhat of a consensus that uh, people say, oh, yeah, you can play the solo, but you're sort of confined to the trickster class, which apparently is the best solo class after people's experiences with the demo. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then, like, as you've been talking about it, like, one of the things, I mean, I played the Division 1, I played the Division 2, I played Warframe along with Hans, another friend of the show. And that, I mean, all of that, those are looter shooters. I mean, the, one of the things I like about Warframe is that each of the, the suits or the, the Warframes themselves all have four abilities. I mean, Adam's played Warframe a, a little bit. Yeah. From what I remember. Yeah. Way back in the day. <laughs> Way back in the day. And uh, the cool thing about Warframe um, which goes back to, I mean, our original idea of the show, which is we were going to talk about Anthem and salvaging games. 
that in Warframe, you know, guns are an option or your suit's powers are an option. It's, it's sort of not mutually exclusive, but unlike what Adam said for Outriders, it was sort of like the the guns, sort of the side benefit, powers seem to be the main goal of the game. Anthem was, a, that was a criticism I read from a lot of people about Anthem, that in Anthem, you know, they had lots of cool guns, but the guns just could not be used to deal with end game fights, could not be used to deal a lot of damage. Po- again, powers were the thing. And if this is the case with this game, I, I love my gunplay. I love one of the greatest things about Warframe, which is why I used to log in every now and then, was just so that I'd log in, I'd get all the new for Warframes. Warframes were cool, but I got for the cool guns. Warframes always had loads and loads of cool guns. And uh, now, like, all guns have, like, a primary firing way and a, a secondary firing mechanism. So you have different ways to use your guns, and that was cool. Division, of course, was a big gun game. And, like, for this, it's like, if, if it really ends up being that the guns are just like an afterthought, then yeah, no, this is definitely not for me. There, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't unlocked any of the uh, the legendary weapons yet. Most of the weapons that I'm getting are kind of basic. There, I mean, you do have a difference in like you have shotguns and you have like auto shotguns versus pump action shotguns. Uh, but mostly what I've been using is because the pyro is designed for mid range. So a shotgun's not going to be that good for a pyro because I'm kind of too squishy to be in the fray. So a short range weapon like that's not going to benefit me that much. I, I typically have been running around with a sniper rifle and either a light machine gun or a, what do you call them? Submachine gun? Yeah, but they have a word. They have an assault rifle. Yes. Yeah, so those are typically the ones that I run around with. But as far as guns, I mean, that that's the thing is I haven't really been looking at their names. I think I pretty much keep picking up the same. Because this is, <laughs> there, there aren't that many. So I think I keep pretty much picking up the same ones over and over and over again, just slightly higher variants of themselves. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the gunplay is not... It's... I haven't played The Division, so I can't compare it to that, but it sure. would probably be more like Mass Effect okay. in terms of gunplay. Mass Effect 2 or 3 or Andromeda. Not so much the first one, because the first one had like the cooldowns and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Probably more like 2 or 3. I mean, Especially that, if you play multiplayer. That's cool. I mean, if you get it or if you start playing with Ben or Ben gets it, maybe I'll, I'll let you guys play it at first before I think about getting it. Because I was like thinking, you know, looking at our videos and stuff. And I mean, this is somewhat of an insight into the way our channel works. Uh, Adam's been playing Valhalla and uh, Windbound. And for me, like, I mean, I've been playing Little Weird, which is like a new game on the Switch. But it definitely seems like, as far as views and uh, podcast listens go as well, that a lot of the hot stuff actually has produced the greatest attention for us, which is what I was unsure in the beginning when Adam started playing Valhalla. But, uh, I mean, looking back at the stats, it definitely seems to be the case. So it made me think, oh, maybe we need to sort of... Uh, when did we start playing Valhalla in Cyberpunk? Last year, December, right? December or November, something like that. Yeah. So maybe it, it gives me the thought. I was like, oh, maybe Adam and I need to pick up, you know, the next hotness that's coming out. And it seems to be uh, Outriders is one of the game. I've uh, been playing Valhalla since November. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just read an article uh, about Valhalla as well that people are complaining it's way too long. and It is long. Yeah. I'm getting close to, I have, I think, two more or maybe three more counties to knock out and then i'm like okay i'm pretty sure i've cleared most of the map 
<laughs> I'm not going to 100% this game. I'll say that much. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to let this one go. Yeah, you should. You should. Uh, like it... The Witcher 3. You know, it's just... <laughs> I like it, but it's just too long. Something like Windbound, I think I'm going to try to platinum. That one's going to be hard, but I'm going to try. But uh, yeah, no, not about how. <laughs> sure, no, I mean. I like it, but it's just too long. For gamers our age and stuff, we just, we've got so much stuff to do. It's it's not. Yeah, I really want to play my uh, .hack GU. What is .hack GU? Uh, have you ever heard of .hack? No. Oh, well, no, no. It's a, it's a JRPG, but it was originally released... The original Dot Hacks were released on the PS2. I think Dot Hack GU was released on the PS2 as well. There were three games, and they released it as Dot Hack GU Recoded, which I got for Christmas, I think, two years ago. And it's all three games in one compilation. And I've been oh. wanting to play it, but I, the reason I kept putting it off is because I'm like, this is going to be a long game. Because th this is kind of like when I played Mass Effect. Yes. I played them. Um, because Andromeda was coming out and I was like, okay, I want to see what's going on. You know, I, I was kind of interested in, in Andromeda. So I was like, okay, I want to play the originals to see what they were like. And I had, I think, Mass Effect 2 for free from PS Plus. So I bought one and three. Okay. And then I played all three of them back to back. And it took I, a I remember, long time. I remember you were telling me that. It took a long time. So I'm like, oh man, this is three games back to back. <sighs> so it's one of those things where I really want to do it, but it's kind of daunting at the same time. Especially now with streaming, it's like, oh, do people want to watch me playing this game for the next year? <laughs> uh, it might be something you play for a bit. I mean, talking about stuff now, I mean, what is what is what can our listeners or listeners who want to become viewers expect from you as far as streaming goes in the next, let's say, the next three months? Okay, uh, so what I've been trying to do is trying to do is one big game and two smaller games. Okay, so I try to I try to stream three times a week, and I try to uh, alternate them up. So one week I'll do you know game A on Monday, B on Wednesday, C on Friday, and then move them up a slot the next week. So the next week, B on Monday, C on Wednesday, A on Friday. So that's kind of how I've been trying to cycle it. So right now I'm almost done with Windbound. I'm kind of debating whether I should finish it on the stream or just finish it on my own time and start a new game on the stream debating what I wanted to replace it with. I was kind of thinking Catherine, but now I'm thinking maybe I'll do Children of Zodiac. What is Children of Zodiac? That's why I wanted to do it, because it's a small game and it's kind of a small indie thing that people haven't heard of. It's a tactical game, kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, uh, Disgaea, Disgaea, I don't know how you pronounce it, or that sort of game. But it has an interesting mechanic in that when you use your abilities or when you attack, it, it's all based on dice rolls. Oh, okay. And so what happens is you equip dice on your... Or, yeah, dice. Plural. You equip dice on your characters. And then when you do their attack, it'll roll the three... I think it's three dice usually. And then, so for instance, you could have a dice that has, say, two defensive squares, two attack squares, and two evade, two evade squares. Or you could have one that has like two criticals and... Four non so you can customize your your dice you, you get these dice and they all have different symbols on them basically and okay. so you can kind of customize what you want your character so if you want them to you know go for crits you get dice that have higher crits you know so or if you want kind of a more well-rounded kind of averaging safer character you could get a, a dice that doesn't really have so many bad rolls but doesn't also well, doesn't have the great cool. rolls on it yeah, so it's kind of interesting because it's designed it seems like it's basically designed as a tabletop game. But yeah, you can equip the different die on your character 
dice on your character. And then, uh, so I, I, I was, because uh, I was playing Tactics Ogre, and I love Final Fantasy Tactics, and I really wanted that SRPG. And I was looking around, and there aren't that many of them. I didn't like Disgaea. I tried it as a PlayStation Classic back on the PlayStation 3. I, pl- I played the original one, and I didn't like it. It wasn't that I didn't like it. The gameplay itself was fine, but what I didn't like was I felt like, because in Final Fantasy Tactics, there was a lot of customization of your character. And Disgaea, you can't really swap your character on the fly. You basically have to sacrifice them and then resurrect them as a new class. And they carry over their own stats, but they start at level one, and you have to level them up again. And I didn't like that. And the other thing I didn't like was you only get experience from killing enemies, which meant that your strong characters, because they hit harder, are more likely to kill enemies. And your weaker characters, because they're weaker, are less likely to kill enemies. So there's a lot of snowballing where certain characters get really, really powerful and other characters just stay weak. So as you move through the game, they they can't finish off anything. So your stronger characters are the only ones getting experience. And then for healers, it was even worse because healers are not designed to deal damage, but the only way that they can level up was to kill somebody. So you basically had to weaken somebody, hope they didn't die, and then have your healer march across and just smack them one last time. And So I didn't really like that way. But uh, so yeah, I was looking for a new strategy RPG and I saw this one and I was like, I've never heard of that. I'll check it out. Nice. Yeah. And then now Squaresoft is making something for the Switch called Project Triangle. Yes, 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 yes. That was quite talked about uh, on the last another podcast. Yeah, so I saw that today, and I was like, "Ooh, is that on the PlayStation?" And no, it's not, and that makes me super sad. So I'm like, "Oh man, do I have to buy a Switch just for this one game?" Because you know, not Breath of the Wild, no, not uh, you know Mario Odyssey, or no, purely for a Final Fantasy Tactics style game. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Children of Zodiac. I've got a couple other ones. Death Stranding's another option, but I would yeah. think that I would do Death Stranding after Valhalla. I think that would be in the major game category. Also, I have... Uh, so yeah, Children's Zodiac is a big one. That's probably going to go in. And yeah, I had some other ones in mind. that uh, I was recommended Omori. Ah, yes, yes. Student. We just talked about that before. Yeah. So yeah, I might look into that one. That one, though, they were saying it does have some heavy themes like depression and suicide and that sort of thing so i'm kind of like ah is that really appropriate for streaming and you know some people might like it it's, it's a good thing some people might like it you know yeah it's it's, it's one of those things where i kind of debate like for example this was interesting uh when valhalla first came out remember i told you it was censored here yes so i was playing it the other day and they have death animations when you kill a guy you know and, and it's just like so avor goes in this long death animation and and as I was doing the stream, I was like, I keep seeing these things and they're like five seconds long. I just want the guy to fall over dead, right? I don't want these death animations. So I was like, they're fine. But when you see them over and over and over again, you know, like when you're when you're in a big fight and every third guy is a death animation, you know, and you kill 20 guys, that's what? Six times five seconds. That's, you know, that that's uh, that's 30 seconds. It's half a minute of just me sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, just watching of... just watching her kill a guy and it really adds up so i was like okay i need to find a way to you know can i turn it off so i went into the game settings and the setting for dismemberment and the setting for nudity were there and i was like those weren't there before so apparently there was a patch added where they updated that the asian version is now the same as the western version so then i was like oh no you know i need to be careful i need to make sure that nudity is set off because <laughs> And it was good because I the, the literally right after I found it, the next scene was a visit to the brothel 
in the mission. Oh, <laughs> and so very good. Had I tur- so had I turned it off <laughs> or had I turned it on, um, like literally five minutes later, it would have been like, oh, there it is. <laughs> but yeah, so sometimes when I when I do watch these things, I do consider, you know, what is safe for audiences and uh, what is OK for people to see. That's part of the reason why I'm like, I really enjoyed playing Catherine on the PS3. I loved it. I really want to play it. I would love to stream it. And I'm like, as far as the missions go with the towers, it would be a perfectly streamable game and it's perfectly fine. But some of the other content, I'm like, mm. just have to indicate it's in like a, a fun when Cyberpunk was released, a lot of people like indicate 18 plus a stream. And okay. you can set it in Twitch as well. Facebook doesn't have that setting, of course. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. good. So I might have to do that. I mean, Catherine's not that bad, but there are some risque parts. Risque parts. Uh, but yeah, so I enjoyed Outriders, but yeah, I wouldn't play it unless I had friends playing it. Yeah, yeah my, my my topic was just of like how soluble is it. I looked it up as well. Um, I've watched Not videos very. and from what you said as well. I'm like, uh, that's the other thing too is uh, I, I've seen a lot of people say different things. I've I've seen a lot of people say that the Technomancer is the best soloable class because they heal on damage and all the other three heal on kills. Yes. So I've heard that they are the best soloable. They're also the most long range based class. So they are designed not to be in the fray. So I've heard a lot of people say that they're the best. I've heard a lot of people say the Devastator is the best because that's the tank class. So they have the best survivability. Sure. And I've heard people say that the Trickster is the best because they do a lot of damage. So they can kill guys really, really quickly. And again, they're supposed to be in the fray and they're zipping in and out. Uh, but the universal consensus seems to be that the Pyro is the worst solo class. <laughs> um, at least early game. Because like I said, early game, it was not easy. And then by level seven... So it seems like the pyro is one of those classes that's really going to be a really heavy hitter late game. Like sort of one of those like sort of uh, what a lot of people always complain about is a a class that's sort of skill based. Uh, if you've got the ability, you enjoy it. If if it's not a entry level class, I would say that's probably more the tricksters because the trickster does need to get in and out. So I would say the tricksters trickster is probably skill based. I think the pyro is just their abilities early on are not strong, and the way they heal is not very effective. But it's one of those things where I think they're relatively simple, but as they grow, their damage, you know, they're kind of, I think they're kind of more of the glass cannon design. Sure. And a glass cannon is usually not very strong early on because early on people are kind of averaging out, you know, like usually they're not doing tremendous amount of damage over anybody else. And plus you haven't unlocked a lot of your bigger abilities. So I think that once they get to more of that glass cannon phase, they're going to be doing tremendous amounts of damage. But uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess uh, another topic, or are we? Uh, sure. I mean, we'll do another topic quickly. Okay. Uh, Which we'll is your... kind of appropriate. Yeah, your your <laughs> second topic, and then I think we'll we'll uh, call it to a close after that. All right. So my second topic is game derailment, which is kind of good because we got kind of derailed there. So uh, <laughs> and also, uh, game derailment is kind of appropriate because this is a conversation that I was having with my friend Jake. But anyway, we were talking about playing Outriders, and I was talking about how I played the demo, and he he said that he doesn't like when they do these demos, the beta demos, before a game releases, because he feels that that really kills the hype for a game, because people play it, they see the flaws, and then they just want to complain about it. And so I kind of wanted to get into, you know, what what is what really derails these games? I mean, with Anthem and what happened recently, we saw a similar thing happening with 
Mass Effect Andromeda, where they ended up dropping all the DLC. We ended up getting, uh, what was another game that came out recently that had a similar thing? Uh, ah, there was another game that got ditched recently, but I can't remember what it is. But yeah, so we're seeing a lot of these games and, you know, you can see in my little picture there, hype train versus the bandwagon, right? People are jumping from one to the other, you know, they're, oh, you know, this game is horrible and oh, this game is great and all this sort of thing. And so I was wondering what is really, you know, the the problem with the games are these games is the problem, the hype train that the company oversells that they say that this game is going to be amazing and then it turns out to be mediocre and they're overselling it or is the problem that people just want to hate something and they go out of their way to you know make this you know be this vocal kind of uh i don't know what you would call it but they go out there and they make a big deal and then because of it the game ends up failing so is the the fault of the you know is it the hype train over hyping the game or is it the bandwagon over hating the game that's causing these problems so for example one of my favorites would be Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda. I loved Andromeda. I thought it was a great game. I had a lot of fun. Gameplay was nice. The story was not particularly inspired. And I did feel that that was the weakest part. I did feel that they basically just reskinned the original Mass Effect in that, you know, we have this, uh, this ancient technology that's supposed to help us fight this indom- you know, indomitable force. And this indomitable force, I'm, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but uh, had something very similar was able to bolster their ranks in a way similar to how the Reapers were doing it. But so I, I did feel like it was basically a repaint of the original trilogy's kind of overarching story. But obviously before the game even came out, people were looking at it and like, oh, look at this janky running animation. Look at this woman's face. Look at these problems. And that that caused the game to obviously fail before it even released, right? And that's part of the reason why the game didn't succeed. And this was my friend Jake's argument was that that's why these demos are terrible because people see them and then they they criticize these games before they're even out. And before the games are even released, there's already this kind of, you know, they're fighting against the tide, basically. And so they release and, and they're just doomed to fail from the beginning. And I was like, yeah, you have a point there. But at the same time, let's look at the difference between Outriders and Anthem. Anthem never had the demo. Right. That you come out in. So Anthem came out on release. And when it came out, people were like, oh, OK, let's play it. We've already bought it. Oh, wait, this game has flaws. It's not as deep as we thought it was going to be. And then they went out and they complained about it. And people stopped buying the game. And Bioware ultimately ended up deciding we're not going to continue with this. Right. They 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 dropped it. They say we're not going to do this. And then later on, they came back and they're like, OK, we're going to do a 2.0. And then later on, even came back and said, no, that's not going to happen. Outriders went the opposite way, where Outriders is like, we are going to do a demo. And people went out and they played it. And then they found issues with it. They said the cover fire mechanic is not working very well. Uh, the, the classes probably need some rebalancing. There's issues with every time you walk through a door, you have to go through two loading screens, which makes no sense. You know, they, they had, they, they talked about it and... People can fly came out and they said, okay, you know, we're patching in. One of the things was the cameras are always moving around. You know, there's this weird camera jank. And they said, okay, we're going to, we can't patch that out for the demo, but we're going to try to fix that for the main game. 
And because they had the demo, people saw it. And then now people can fly, can address these issues. So when the game does release, it's going to be in a better state than Anthem was because they have that feedback that Anthem, Anthem did it. And so it's one of those things where when a game fails, you know, again, was it their fault for overhyping and overpromising or was it our fault for being overly critical? You know, so in his in his argument, demos were not good because they caused the game to they caused game hate. But my argument, Anthem didn't do the demo and that's why it failed. (laughs) Whereas Outriders is doing a demo and that's where it may succeed. Uh, I believe Destiny did Destiny have a demo? As well, I don't think so. I was not a de- original Destiny player, so I don't remember. Destiny Two also did not have a demo. No. Oh no! Wait. Uh... It might have done on PS, the PlayStation, but uh, PC did not have a demo. Oh, okay, maybe it didn't. I don't remember. But yeah, yeah. Destiny was another example of early on. You know what they promised was not what we ended up getting. I, I, you still go back and and people. Uh, reference when the guy says you see that mountain over there you're going to be able to go to that mountain you know you can go anywhere you want and then they drop you in and it's like oh hey it's uh it's a space and there's a corridor that leads you to the next space and it's a loop and that's it (laughs) it's not it's not go anywhere you want but yeah so what do you think do you think it's uh do you think i think we're we're gonna have to save that for another (laughs) yeah i've maybe over explained it there but uh, it's okay I I figure it as much. Uh, yeah. So I, I I I've come to know the Adam Gray discourse mechanism. Yeah, I over-explained <laughs> things. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 not no need to be. But sorry. yeah, hype train versus uh, I don't know if you call it a hate train. I call it the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I think that would be a good place to pick up uh, next week if you want sure. to keep going with the sort of various topics. One option, second option is uh, Life in Taiwan Part Three. I leave it up to you, or you have another choice. Uh, I, I'll say, let's do continue with the topics, and then maybe next next week we can do Life in Taiwan Part Three, just sure. to give people more opportunities to leave us questions on our Facebook page, if you so desire. Okay, okay. So, I mean, you heard it right from Adam's mouth. <laughs> Sorry, my wife just delivered breakfast. Oh, isn't it a bit late <laughs> for breakfast? It's eleven a.m. Brunch. How do? You, is that all you're gonna eat for brunch? That's why Adam is so thin. When you guys, if we ever get a Not chance thin. to have like a real fans meeting or whatever you want to call it, Adam is super thin and he doesn't exercise and still remains that thin. It's amazing. I'm not thin at all. I got this uh, this chameleon chin thing going That's on. That's old, there. man. That's just being old. That's all. <laughs> that dude. Uh, God, I wish I had a... Apologies for saying that white by white boy <laughs> physiology. I don't think... White people are so fat. What are you talking about? <laughs> American white people, European white people are not fat. Well, they walk a lot more. That's true. All right. So next week, we're going to continue with this topic, probably to start off and maybe some other topics because we still have, uh, this is Adam's second. I've got my second and third, which will probably change between now and next week. So as always, listeners and viewers and our audience, uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. We really, really appreciate it. The podcast has picked up a little bit. And we appreciate that. I mean, Adam's been bringing in the views on his Twitch channel, on our Twitch channel uh, as well, you know, with his long streams. And thanks for that. Please, you know, we're waiting for more interaction. People have been interacting. We've met a few people. And thank you guys for coming back as well. Uh, Please contact us, email us your thoughts, comments, good or bad. 
Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're always there. I mean, it always pops up on my phone. My phone. I never turn off the Wi-Fi, so I'm I'm always getting all these messages and emails whenever I you guys send them comments on YouTube. Uh, we love it. Thank you so much, uh, Adam. Uh, yeah, no, we love the interaction. I got to say some of my favorite episodes are the ones where people are asking us questions because it makes our lives a little bit easier in the sense that, uh, yeah, we don't have to have something prepared. We can just on the fly. I don't like preparation. But yeah, check us out. Ask us questions. Like I said, we're probably going to do, I guess, Life in Taiwan Part 3 in another two weeks. Sure. So, you know, go ahead, go to the Facebook page, drop us some questions. You can either, uh, I guess, leave it directly uh, as posts or you can contact us directly you know as a message you can do that yes. if you have a whole list of questions you can just email us you have the email so just you know all 80 of your questions or however many you have just put them on there so uh but yeah we look forward to seeing you again soon and that's basically it we look forward to seeing you again soon okay <laughs> then with that uh we will see you guys next week tuesday uh or monday evening or tuesday morning Taiwanese time at the usual time have a good day, have a good evening, have a good night, a good rest, and see you guys next week. See you later.